Everyone runs away from pain, dodging the truth it comes with. But you are done with limiting your greatness in the shackles of fear. You see fuel in the fire. You taste ripe fruit in real answers. You move to the drums with wild expression. Enter From Pain to Gain, the podcast about identifying pain so you can ultimately gain health and wealth. Because without identifying a mountain, how can you climb it? Here's your host, Ivan Alpha. Welcome back to From Pain to Gain. I'm Ivan, and this is my friend, Minister Michael Moore with us. Today we are talking laser targeting addiction, a very tight topic in today's world where nobody wants to give anything up because it feels good, but we're going to talk about it because it's healthy to talk about these sorts of things so that we could overcome it in a healthy way. So, uh, Minister Michael Moore, could you please introduce yourself? Oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. First, I want to thank you for inviting me to this segment. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Uh, Michael Moore, uh, of course, as he stated, I'm a minister. Um, been in the ministry for about probably 10 consistent years, I put it that way. Getting ready to be elevated in some other areas. And as it relates to the topic of discussion, pain to gain, I love that. I love it. Pain to gain. And that's something we all go through. I've been associated with the ministry for 10 years, as I say, consistently. As far as it relates to what we're going to discuss today, the addiction in the process of that, I've been doing that for about 28 years. 28 years. Uh, I'm at a master's level. Um, a lot of those, uh, what you call them, alphabet numbers and all that stuff. Yeah, I got a few of those things there, right? But most importantly, um, through the relationship with God, uh, I also am a person that I like to say in recovery or recovering, and that's been going on for 28 years. Um, later on, we'll get into what that recovering from is. So they give you a little history on my background. Right now, I'm an executive director for what we call 1.1 outpatient program, and I've been doing substance abuse treatment, mental health treatment and behavior issues for the last 25 years, 28 years. So that's how, how many people has your organization touched, your ministry touched? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Ah, when we speak about 28 years of doing this, mm -hmm. knowingly and unknowingly, oh, man, I can see thousands um, in relation to just working in the field and the previous uh, company prior to coming to uh, the new company that we just formed, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds yeah. of people that had mental health issues, substance abuse issues. I've seen many get saved, many get saved, renew their relationships. So we're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of people. Yeah, what stood out to me when I was a guest with you on another podcast, a uh, fellow mutual friend of ours, you mentioned that uh, you have actually one-on-one -on -one uh, served like shuttle busing people around to make sure they're taken care of like that sort of my goodness really going out of your way to make sure people in recovery get what they need that's uh you know it makes me think about everybody celebrates the people that like maybe have done x number of things but who who really thinks about who's actually there one-on-one -on -one, boots on the ground you know, helping people one-on-one -on -one and really encouraging people one-on-one. -on -one. Like, that's the real change makers. So 
that's you, Minister Michael. So I'm really grateful to have you today. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. And let's just draw through the cage analogy first, or, or the acronym, the complacency side. Um, and then we'll go to atrophy, guilt, and escape like usual. And then we'll go into understanding it all, uh, the nuances, and et cetera. But uh, complacency, uh, just to start off with a first point here, uh, I would tend to say addiction typically doesn't start with any fault of your, your own. Like for me, especially, it starts from childhood and you weren't allowed to be a child to some degree, so you had to disconnect. And so unfortunately, though, this has long-term effects that have to be hammered back. Um, and just to share a quote from an article, um, when I mean hammered back, uh, brain imaging studies in humans and in neuropsychological studies in even non-human animals have shown that repeated drug use causes disruption in the brain's highly evolved frontal cortex, which regulates cognitive activities such as decision-making, responses, inhibition, planning, and memory, according to the American Psychological Association. Uh, so very, um, th that's why I said hammered, has to ha be hammered back because that, especially starting in childhood and drawing that into adulthood, the longer that happens, the more like that hammering back has to happen. I remember when I was going through like withdrawal symptoms of uh, different aspects of my life, it feels like uh, electricity is flowing through your body and your brain is like, do whatever it takes to stop this now. <laughs> and it's kind of scary, um, but there is, you know, deliverance and it, healing is possible. But what are your thoughts on that, that first point there? My thoughts on that, and you're saying exactly a lot, a lot. And a lot of people, um, they look at addictions from where you are, from where you are, at the level of where you are. For example, um, at my age, if I'm using just say marijuana, alcohol, crack cocaine, whatever it is, people will look at it like, well, you're addicted to that stuff. But in any story, in a book, there's a beginning, a middle, and then there's an end. Mm -hmm. So in order to really uh, identify with where you are, you have to know where you came from. Mm -hmm. And there are stages to the process. Now, this is knowledge that I had no knowledge of. No knowledge of. In my latter days, right, I like to um, smoke me a little marijuana, which turned into a little bit of cocaine, which turned into snorting a little bit of heroin, which turned, but I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem at all. Okay. Now, as it relates to the beginning to the end, that's the way I saw it for where I am or where I was at 35 years old. When God delivered me from that, number one, I have to say that. However, when I got um, clean for about 20, about 14 days, 21 days or so, right? Some things started happening to the mind. And I said, wait a minute, hold up. Something is wrong with this situation. There are stages to an addiction. And you have four stages. You have experimental, experimental, okay? What is experimental? All right, you try something out. You try something out. Now, when you try something out as it relates to the addiction process, you're just experimenting. But there's something, and you were talking about complacency, but there's something that takes place. For example, I was six years old the first time that I had ever taken a drink. 
why would I take a drink six years old? The party's going on. Social and environmental factors contribute to our destiny. Mm -hmm. So as a young person, and I saw these mothers having these weekend parties periodically with friends coming over. They wanted us to be one of the Jackson Fives, wanted us to be the Jackson Fives because I had four brothers. Now, at that time, they give you nickels, dimes, and quarters to dance for. I wasn't into that stuff, man, dancing and entertaining people. Mm -hmm. I found a cup sitting on the step, and I drank it. Man, I was dancing real good. They started giving me a dollar. They started giving me a dollar and 50 cents, and it progresses. As a result of the progression, what I found out was that alcohol did something to me. Mm. And what it did, it gave me courage at six years old to do something that I was no longer afraid of. I'm going to move forward on some things. I'm finding out through education that I was experimenting I was experimenting with something different. Experimenting can be uh, from the drug use. It could be from uh, a behavior aspect or thought process. Uh, I'm going to have to jump around because it's a lot that goes into that. But experimental is the first thing we do is when we experiment for the first time. People can say drug and alcohol. What about the first time you ever had intimacy? What about the first time you had a kiss? What about the first time you got a pair of shoes? that you wanted but never had them before. It done something internally. And the external piece is what we remember. Trauma, whenever we experience something um, in a quote unquote addiction form, um, when we experiment, the first thing that takes place is there's a burning sensation for anyone who drinks a drink or smokes a marijuana or take a cigarette. There's something in your body that automatically resists that. That was that's what makes uh, your eyes watery. That was make you cough, the burning sensation. That's the trauma. That's that trauma because the body automatically resists that. However, it doesn't last that long. And then the dopamine system that we have and the pleasure system that we have kicks in. Once that kicks in, it overrides that feeling of trauma. Okay, it overrides that. So once that's overridden, we pretty much associate and attach ourselves to the feeling that's associated with the outcome. The burning is gone now. So now you can dance, you can have fun. You know, the first time uh, meeting a new person, you don't have a problem. You don't worry if she's going to reject you. If she do, okay, what the heck? I done learned, all right? I can just go do it again. So that's that process in experimental aspect of an addiction. That's the first stage. Then we have the second stage, which is social. Social and environmental factors contributes to our destiny. So, for example, if you're looking at, as a kid growing up, they used to have this uh, Marlboro man smoking a Marlboro cigarettes, and he got the big old cowboy hat on. And that looked so cool to me as a kid. You know what I mean? It looks so cool, man. He's up there. He looks sharp. And you see what I'm saying? So what I'm doing now is I'm looking at, or we can look at the outcome, but not knowing what it takes to get to the outcome. <laughs> yes. Behavior uh, examples. Um, I, I, I ended up being a boxer later on in life. But when I grew up, 
I saw fighters, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, and I saw these guys get feelings from people who were saying you're the best and you get the rewards. That's the social aspect of it. Parties. When you're going to parties, and you may not be a person that even drink or do anything, but when you go to the social gatherings, barbecues, parties, house guests, or whatever it may be, there's a feeling that comes with that. That's the social aspect of it. That's the same thing that happens with an addiction with uh, drugs and or alcohol and other areas, behaviors. There's a feeling that goes through that. That's the second stage of it. Then we have the third stage, which is called hedonistic. Hedonistic deals with your feelings and your emotions. Okay. Now, when we're dealing with the hedonistic aspect, think about what happened in the beginning when you were experience, experimenting with certain things. There was some trauma, and then there was some feeling that went through that. Mm -hmm. The trauma hurts, but the feeling overrides it. Well, the third stage is called hedonistic. That deals with the feeling and the emotion. So whenever we experience um and we're, we're progressing now because we're growing and maturing. We're learning different things, the social aspect, all that stuff. There. So as we mature and we move on, we never forget the feelings. So when we experience something that's traumatic, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, we're always looking for an outcome to feel, to feel. So in the addiction process, from the experimental piece to the hedonistic piece, we always reflect back to the experimental piece. Yeah. It always goes back to us. Yes. It always does that. The fourth stage of this is called habitual. Habitual. You were talking about complacency and you were talking about the brain. Now, we have in the brain what's called the neurotransmitters. Those are the brain waves or uh, just an electrical circus that kicks off things for us. So um, once we're in the process of using the substance and or the alcohol or even behaviors, and we begin to look at the feelings that come with this, the brain has a funny way of operating because it always revolves itself around a sensory pleasure nerves where we always want to feel good. We always want to feel good. Now we have what's called, and I hope I'm not going too fast or too rushed. It's good, man. Keep going, please. <laughs> good. Okay. Once we get to this level where we experimented with something, the brain is like Sigmund Freud said, man. He holds things back here and he just keeps it right there. There's something trigger, as Adler says, it triggers and reminds you of something. So when we experience this, the serotonin fluid that we have in the brain automatically says, all right, I'm used to feeling a certain kind of way, a certain kind of way. So when self reminds us, it triggers us. And that's what makes us want to go back to that feeling to override whatever the experience. The trauma don't always have to be negative. It could be positive. You know, you, you you get a lot of money in your hand, you feel real good, you give it all away. All of a sudden, when it's gone, now you're angry mm. because you were acting on, quote unquote, hedonistic. 
the feeling and the emotion. And that's when it gets out of control and becomes habitual. I can give examples, but let's move forward on what you're doing here. Okay. No, could you share just one example on that? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. After not using substance and or alcohol for probably six or seven years or so, I got married. I got married. And once I got married, there was some trauma, a conflict. Right then and there, that conflict took me back to the way I felt about my mother. So I developed something else and did not notice was taking place. I was operating hedonistic in hurt feelings that had nothing to do with my mother. So there were some trust issues. No drug and alcohol now. But now there's something else. It reminded me of my experience with my mother. So guess what I did? Hedonistic. It was easy for me to develop another relationship with someone else and avoid the traumatic, the trauma or the feeling. Yeah. So for the the 15 years of being married, I always had another girlfriend. Always. Every time there's something, I don't care. I go somewhere else. Go ahead somewhere else because I'm avoiding the trauma and not understanding or knowing how to deal with the trauma. So... The brain has automatically taught me as a young child how to avoid a lot of trauma in reality because I've learned how to utilize something outside of the body to create a different feeling. And then I found out later on that I'm an habitual person. And once I get started, it doesn't stop right there. It's just like taking a drink or a sip of wine. I got to keep going and going and going and going. Yeah, that's a key point, too. We may be thinking of a when we say addiction, like go to straight to drugs, but actually you could be addicted to even sugar or affairs or, uh, you know, lust. Uh, Addictions all could come in different ways, uh, Mm -hmm. but it affects the brain pretty much in the same way, Uh, the same aspects of the brain and the same routines that the brain goes through. Uh, procedures so all solid points man you just shared so many dang gems on that (laughs) (laughs) to god be the glory you know the first thing um you know the world the world and the system in the world has created a stereotypical way to look at things when we say addictions the first thing we look at is drugs and or alcohol you see those are the first thing we look at so let's just take a look at what addictions are addiction is in An addiction is the chronic dysfunction of the brain system that involves reward, motivation, and memory. It's about the way our body craves a substance or behavior, especially if it causes a compulsive and obsessive pursuit of reward and a lack of concern over the consequences. Okay, I'm going to pause and go back. The reason why I love my wife I love that woman beyond measure. But because of the trauma, I looked at the rewards of getting a need met outside of the marriage. Okay? I looked at the motivation behind it. I'm angry. So I want to quote unquote, here we are again, hedonistic, feel differently. What's the motivation? The motivation is you did something to me. What's my memory? 
the way that the relationship was with my mother and I. Okay, and what I'm talking about the, the compulsiveness and the um, impulsiveness is because we're more reactive than proactive as a result of experiences, childhood experiences. Okay, most of the things that I've seen people and deal with people daily now are more, they're acting more on their past than they are their present. Mm -hmm. Okay, because of the trauma. And see, trauma is something that we don't ever get rid of. We're either going to learn how to cope with it, process it, and gain a better understanding of it, or we're going to respond to it. Because the system that we are operating in, in this body, is just built that way. It's built that way. Um, yeah. And yeah, just to bring it out to the system, uh, blow it up a little further. I'm glad you brought that up. It's you know I I had a really sad epiphany the other day is that the people that get hurt, especially like by other people, let's say family members and a let's say molestation type situation, they are the most the people that need the most in order of help to out of trauma, but they are actually the most averse to. Uh, getting advice to therapy because of the the people that were closest to them hurt them the most. So, so it's a it's a sinister cycle that the enemy has put in place of like mm -hmm. I'm here and I'm going to be kept here because of what happened here. And it's just oh my goodness, um, yeah. Any thoughts you know, on that? That, 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 says, that says so much uh, through experience. And if you notice, I said, God delivered me from that. Mm -hmm. So the relationship, and I'm going to shift and come back, the relationship that we we're dealing with, everyone was not chosen by God. Everyone was not chosen. Okay. Yeah. And he says in John 15, 18, drop down. He says, because I've chosen you. You don't know no. You don't know more than me, okay? And they're gonna do some things to you that they've done to me. So as a result of this thing and being chosen way before we got to a certain level and a point, some things were taking place. Some things were taking place, and the things that I feel were taking place was character building based on what your belief is because you have been chosen. So. As a result of this not being chosen in the trauma, there are many people who have experienced so many things in life. So many. You know, I'm I'm 63 now, and I just didn't wake up one day with this information. You know what I mean? I had to grow through it, go through it, deal with it, cope with it, understand all kinds of stuff. And there are many forms that can take place that we don't have an understanding and we suppress. Mm -hmm. We suppress, we just hold it inside. And then we walk around and we're in a world of reality and things are transferring back and forth to us. And if we don't, we have what's called a child within and unresolved issues. So as a result of having a child within and the unresolved issues, we're doing the best we can, especially someone who's addictive to the drugs, the alcohol, and or the behaviors because drug dealing and selling liquor out in the liquor store, believe it or not, those are behaviors. 
Those are behaviors. That doesn't really define who you are as a person. It really doesn't. But yeah. based on this memory aspect of it, there are many things that are triggering certain things to take place. Okay. And the solution to that is why, how, who, and what can I do to resolve this? See, we act like we're okay. We really will. We, we act like we're okay. We walk around, we smile and do all those things there. But every human being has their own issues of concern. It's a matter of how are you coping with those? How yeah. are you dealing with those? Some people may deal with it in, you know what I mean, going to a rehab and talking some narcotic anonymous or NA, or some people may go into the ministry and hallelujah, praise the Lord. But we have issues and we have unresolved issues. Um, I'm going to pause there. Yes, sir. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're coming so much. And the more we talk, it more just comes up. So um, let me go ahead and just jump into the next point. So atrophy. So when you're hurt as a child, you also resist help from others and are used to that because it's a coping mechanism. Um, so I just mentioned that to some degree a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. um, and just to also elaborate on your previous point, I would also say that... Oh, I just lost the point. But I'll just go ahead and jump into coping mechanisms also tie up into knots, um, which many people may not realize. That's why people that may be into drugs may also become food addicts. And mm -hmm. that by so here's the point. That by association becomes a self-sabotage of addiction that alleviates, oh, I just gorged myself on a 2000 calorie meal. So I feel shame. So I'm going to go do this drug over here. Uh, so you could, uh, and I've even done that to some degree, uh, like in the past, uh, you know, several years ago, I could say easily that when I would put myself in financially pr um, provocative positions, where it's not, not good, like my overdraft or whatever, close to overdrafting, mm -hmm. I, I knew I kind of put myself in there subconsciously to be able to go off and do this other sin and just keeping that cycle because oh I, i'm a jerk face for doing that and this is my only way to disconnect from reality um what, what are your thoughts on that minister well my thoughts on that would be and, and and for the sake of certain words right um i have been pretty financially well off in my life at one point so take away that piece there, right? Money management is what I have a problem with. Uh. <laughs> okay? See, it's, it's not the point of not having finances. It's really not. Yeah. It's just that I've learned in this process, again, in this process of addiction that then shift over to another area, okay? Then guess what? My issue is not having money. My issue is money management. Mm -hmm. I don't respect that. And until I learn to respect it, I'm going to have issues with finances. Okay, I'm just going to have those issues. But I come from poverty, not having any money, to having large sums of money, to making good money, to going back and not having good money. So guess what? There's an unbalance there. Again, going back to those transmitters, the domain, the pleasure hedonistic. 
So the issue is no longer the finances. The issue now is the way that I view it. So until I change my attitude and my perception about my finances, that's going to be that way. You understand? So um, you were talking about um, coping, coping. Hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Hurt people hurt people. Most people are hurting other people and don't even know they're hurting other people mm -hmm. based on the expectations that other people place on you. And other and, and and expectations that you place on other people. Example, uh, minister, prayer, church going guy. You know what I mean? God servant person, right? We did some seed planting, and I prayed for three specific people who were struggling with abuse of substance. And these are people who are extremely close to me. One have twelve years clean, and he relapsed, meaning he went back and did it. My business partner, who helped me to develop the new company that I have, he went back and do it. My youngest brother, who uh, I've been knowing all my life, who has this issue back and forth to jail and using these narcotics. We were planting seeds and I planted seed. And I prayed, Lord, please help them remove those drugs, remove that from them, bind those spirits. Well, that was on a Sunday. The next Monday, I hadn't seen the first guy I planted seed for in eight or nine months. Mm -hmm. The next day, somebody called me and put him directly on the phone with me. Amen. The Sunday after that, the second one I prayed for, he came to church and accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. I'm like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, on that Monday, I received a phone call. No, I called my sister. Where's my youngest brother? Oh, Michael, he got locked up on Thursday. I said, you know what? So we prayed now for God to deliver him. Well, when she said that, I said, good. Well, now he ain't going to be doing them drugs. At least he'll be okay that way. Well, I get a phone call on Tuesday. And when I get a phone call on Tuesday, he's on the telephone with me. How you get on the phone? Oh, man, they made a mistake. They locked me up, but they made a mistake and they let me go. I stated to him. You know, you got to stop playing with the devil with this stuff here, man, because he will kill you. Mm -hmm. Wednesday morning, I get a phone call and my same sister says he's delirious. He has OD. She said all of these things that ambulance did. Summary bringing it to a close. He did not OD. The boy was having silent strokes and wow. he passed last Thursday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, hedonistic. Hedonistic, because we spoke also about the spiritual aspect of, and we have to be we have to be careful as human beings because we do the best we can. But keep in mind who the brain is and and what the brain does. The brain wants us to fix people. Okay, now hedonistic, it hurts and it feels all kind of ways. If I'm not careful and understand that God is in control, that's where the belief system comes in. If I'm not careful, then I'll get angry with God. I'll get angry. Why? Because my brother's dead. Hedonistic. There we are. Feelings and emotions. So what am I going to aim towards as a result of carrying these feelings and emotions? And this can come behind anything. 
you know, your relationship, your marriage, your job, your children, uh, that little that little car you have, you know, anything can give you a feeling and or emotion that you want to escape from. And anyone that's operating in any form of addiction have to be mindful that it's a spirit. I'm jumping around to take somewhere, but it's a spirit. And if we're not spiritually inclined and understand who's in control of that, then we'll respond. We'll respond as a coping mechanism to deal with that situation. And that goes back to the statement, uh, hurt people hurt people. You get it? So yeah. hopefully that, that'll do something. I don't know. Yeah, bro. Uh, just to touch on the spiritual side and uh, kind of our blindness to it. I met a pastor uh, just uh, maybe three three days ago, and he said he came to repent and accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior in the middle of a gay nightclub mm -hmm. in, in 1997. And the reason that happened was that his spiritual gift of eyes were open and he was literally seeing demons and coming out of people and the music around him. Mm -hmm. And he started bawling and went on his knees and just, uh, yeah, just lost his mind in that nightclub and then went in his car and bawled for three more hours uh, crying. And so uh, this sort of stuff is real. Like we may not see it every day because obviously they're invisible forces like the bible says but it is around us and uh that's another point of you know it's it's kind of sad that it seems like most of our society seems to acknowledge the presence of demons more than actual god but it's also kind of natural to uh in in the state we're in especially where droves of people are leaving christianity um and uh, joining that sort of force too uh kind of just draws more into that spiritual blindness aspect you just mentioned um, mm -hmm. to to tie it back into the brain and we'll we'll finish off atrophy with this this last point when we have a lack of long-term cognitive activities and addiction to dopamine then the brain will resist anything that will put that dopamine elevation or even just maintenance at risk. Mm -hmm. um, could you speak to that too, Minister Michael? What we're speaking about now, we're talking pretty much about the serotonin. See, we're speaking about the serotonin, right? And we're, we're substituting one for another. We're substituting one for another example. Uh, someone that um, just say it's on Heron, they may never want to use Heron. But because of the fact that they used it for a, a certain level of time, the brain becomes used to it and is craving that. Example, uh, I had headaches for about eight years and I would take a, a leave and I would get to a point to take a bottle of 24 in two days time to get rid of that headache. Eventually, after several years, I decided, let me just go to a doctor. Mm. And I went to a doctor to find out that... Um, I was addicted now to the chemicals that's in the aspirin. It was no oh. longer a headache because of having a headache. Now I'm addicted to something else. So we changed one thing to another to pretty much, and I like to call it, get our needs met to the best of our ability. 
to the best of our ability. I forgot your point, but to the best of our ability. Um, if you can read, remind me of what that point was, because I was thinking as we were talking. Oh, uh, the last sentence was the brain will resist anything that will put dopamine elevation and maintenance at risk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's normal. Believe it or not, it's normal because of our focus level. Because of our focus level. And believe it or not, we're we're talking now, and I'm using words now, but my brain and my mind is running on a thousand different things as we speak. A million things. We're doing this, and I just got a phone call from my CEO, and I said, okay, I need to do And I'm on here speaking. I'm doing That's how this brain is. This thing is always moving. And some people, you can ask a question like, did you hear what I say? And they say, yeah, but the truth be told, they only heard part of what you were saying. And that's what the brain is doing, is shifting all over the place. Um, and I like to take that somewhere. Uh, people that have mental health issues and people that, even addictions, right? People are doing that because it's something missing. It's hmm. something missing. And with this thing running off, if you ever notice somebody, they say that, uh, let me use this one as an example, bipolar. And they say, oh, ADHD. They're constantly moving. That's because the brain is running, 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 running. And it's running so fast that they use something to calm that down, which can be trazodone, for example, the medication. They use the medication to slow that brain function down because your signals are firing all over the place. So what they're doing when they give you those medications, as well as drugs, alcohol, and or behaviors, you use it as a coping mechanism to really calm down your dopamine and your 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 transmitter so that you can get them to stable off and level off. Because what has taken place is the serotonin fluid is being overridden by something else. If you, you understand where I'm going? It's being overridden by something else. And, yeah. and, and you know the, the 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 serotonin fluid is just like the oil in the car. It's just like the oil in your car. You got to keep it maintenance. You got to keep it stable. You got to put the right oil in it because if you do something else with it, it could do something and do something else with the car. Mm. Same thing happens with our brain. So, yes, yes. Oh, wow. Never thought about it that way. That's pretty awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. analogy. Yeah. Well, how do you reconcile? I know this is a free will conversation, but how do you reconcile God? putting all this stuff in our brains versus just cutting off dopamine, cutting off serotonin, you know? Mm -hmm. Why do you think he did that? Well, obedience. Mm. Obedience. And, 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 and I believe he did it for the purpose as it is done for me because he says, once you accept me, I will send you a gift that will teach you all things and bring yeah. all things to your remembrance. Yeah, he's so definitely uh, said yeah, things and, that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and see, I accept Christ back in 1979. But if you notice earlier, I said I've only been in the church for 10 years. In this process of going through some of the experiences I've had and in, 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 in growing, the Holy Spirit was always doing what he was doing. It was always doing that. So the relationship becomes, okay, God has given me the tools necessary to understand that he is in control, but it's the development of the relationship that I have with God that's going to help me to understand that. 
Yeah. So once I got the knowledge of what God is doing and what he has already done, he took me back to the book of Exodus. He said, everything you see, everything you're doing, everything you've been going through, all of it already happened. And then it took me to Genesis 6, 6. He said, and everything you see, everything you've done, everything you're aware that already happened, I got angry and I started crying and I grieved the process and I destroyed everything. He mm. says, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to get out of this. I'm going to send you a mediator. So he sent Jesus as a mediator because the Holy Spirit, and you can take anyone that's why I love people that use drugs, alcohol, and mental health and everything. I tell them, I tell them right now, man, you ain't got no mental health, no drug problem and all that stuff. You got a relationship problem. And your problem is your relationship with God. You trying to avoid that Holy Spirit. That thing tearing your butt up, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Yeah. And it truly is. It's relationship issue. Um, 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 Brother Alvin, we pretty much, man, are doing the best we can with what we have. Everyone is, everyone, everyone, this whole world, all the stuff we are experiencing, all of this is the relationship between God yeah. and, 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 and that's it. And spending less one step in front of the other. I wish I was told this early in my faith. For most of the three years, that the disciples knew Christ, they still didn't trust him. But they tried to work on the relationship. And that's really what was the most important thing. We're talking about three years. Like you said, 1979, the journey was not always on the up and up. It was the valleys and mountains. But the journey was with God. The relationship was there, even if it didn't always look the best. Mm -hmm. um, his, he's always faithful to us too, like a true loving father should be. Mm -hmm. And the relentless, the incomprehensible love is just something we're also not even used to as, as humans. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because one of my favorite scriptures, two of them actually, one is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord and not unto your own understanding. All our ways acknowledge God, and he shall direct your path. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house of many mansions, if it was not so, I would have told you. And I quote them and been quoting them for years. And what I found out, what I actually found out, was that was preparation for what I was going to experience. Mm. So two and a half years ago, I had two sisters die back to back with COVID. Mm. It reminded me that my mother died before that. My uncle died before that. My son got killed before that. These two sisters then died back to back. Oh, I forgot. The wife that I love and cheated on, she didn't die. These two sisters didn't pass. Now my father didn't pass. Now my friends has passed. My brother has passed. And they pass and pass and pass. So now guess what? Proverbs 3, 5, 6 is no longer just good words. Mm. I was backed up in the corner through the Holy Spirit. And I'm forced to believe what I see. Mm -hmm. To understand what that truly means. And when he says, let not your heart be troubled, he was telling me pretty much, you're going to have some broken pieces, buddy, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to trust me. How do I trust you, Lord? How do I do this? 
I'm not in the Old Testament, but I do remember Matthews is a yeah. I know you're the Messiah because I've seen you perform these miracles. So there's the evidence to support the ministry aspect of it. You know what I mean? And these are no longer words. We either going to believe what we believe, and how do we believe that? Because it says in Matthews, you have the evidence to support that. You have yeah. the evidence. We're talking about addictions, and next month on the 28th, it will be 28 straight years. Never went back and did it again. No it drugs, no alcohol, or none of that stuff did. None of it. And then God reveals something. Three is perfect, and that's March. And then four times seven is 28. That's God. Nothing but God. You know, we can do it. I'm not taking anything away from the professions as a professional. But for me, as a professional, I always let people know the truth because I got to stand behind the truth. What we're doing educationally with the addictions and this process, and this is pretty cool information because people die from lack of information. Yeah. yeah. But in the information, you also need to know the truth. If you do not develop a relationship, and I believe in Christ, if you do not develop a relationship with God in Christ and ask him to guide you, lead you, and direct you, cover you, I, you, them, they, we, whatever name you want to use, we're subject to repeating things because hedonistic. We want to feel different. We do not want to feel bad. Judgment. I encourage anyone to please don't judge people that are having these issues. They're trying to get a need met to the best of their ability. Yeah. To the best of their ability. Thank I need that prayer over me, too, because I have been judgmental. Um, because, yeah, it, it's a subject also of, like, I've walked through the journey. You could, mm -hmm. you could just go right to the end. <laughs> but yeah. I, have, yeah. I have toned that back and be like, they have their own journey, and I got to respect that. And I had to do the same thing. That's why I repent. That's why I repent, because first, I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. I'm a human being. You know, yeah, I'm a preacher and all of the above, and I spread the word of God, and I love Jesus, but I'm a human being. Yeah. And back to what we were talking about, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Each one of these clients that I've mentioned, the hundreds and thousands of people that I work with, each one of them that I come in contact with on daily basis, do you know they're looking at me? I'm looking at myself once again, but I see God. I see God. You got it? So as a result, and I tell them, I, I want to use some drugs too. I want to get high too. Only problem with it is, is two people going to be messed up. God and you. One, because I just embarrassed God by saying God did this. And then you, because you believe God did it because you see what he done to me. So that means I didn't hurt you and God. Mm. Like, man, I don't think I'm going to take that chance, man. Now nobody like me no more. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yes, man. Um, okay, yes, sir, I'm I, sorry. I did want to jump in and comment on that Proverbs verse. The lean not on your own understanding is particularly difficult in our society today because we think we know better for everything. Uh, we think science and wisdom, we have it all. But I, 
God, when God sets his supernatural hand down, wisdom just goes out the door. <laughs> like, or, mm. or, or thinking that we know better just goes out the door. And I don't say that to say that God will do that for you because he's not some you know puppet to just be like, go do that now. Right. But I will say that I've seen it even just in December. <laughs> my brother, or my, my father, he uh, was recovering from a stroke pneumonia and COVID that hit him all at once mm-hmm. and i got the chance to go to the icu prayed over him and felt called to pray in tongues and literally got brought to tears praying in tongues i don't even know what i was saying but it was very heartfelt and within days the doctor was like dude i don't know what happened but a miraculous recovery happened in your father uh, we're gonna move him down out of the icu uh, pretty soon here uh, it took, I think, a week after that to get him out of the ICU. Uh, and that sort of stuff happens all the time. We just don't hear about it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to comment on that. Lean not on your own understanding uh, when it comes to God, especially. Um, when when uh, I asked myself the same question I asked you, of why didn't God just get rid of dopamine and stuff like that? It, it ties into what you said in obedience. And my answer is, I think he's preparing an army with a specific hierarchy. And to get a hierarchy of an army, you have to determine skills for certain people, what they're best at, and what better way to determine that by tracking their obedience. So that's my answer on that section. Uh, when it comes to guilt... Uh, the third section. Uh, for me, guilt made me want to change when I was dating my wife. Uh, and I'm glad she brought up things kind of early on in our relationship as opposed to five years down the line. And I'm like, you know what you signed up for, you know, this is just who I am. So she was pretty um, balanced in tough love and nurturing love and just outright concern. So she communicated things that about my behaviors that concerned her. And me seeing her in pain, I rapidly wanted to stop that, right? I I did not Mm -hmm. like seeing her cry or whatever. And so that motivated me to change. Um, And looking back at previous relationships, I didn't get that sort of communication, that balance of tough love and nurturing love about my behaviors. I only got that from my now wife. when you think about guilt, what do you think, Minister Michael? When it comes to guilt, man, guilt has a lot to do with the belief system also. As stated early on in regards to uh, experimenting in the social aspect, we learn certain things. We learn, and then we have uh, things that are handed down through the biopsychosocial. We got the belief of our grandfathers, our fathers. We got the belief of the systematic things that comes with the television, the community, other people, our friends, all of these things. We tie all of this stuff in, and then we go into relationships with other people, but it's two parts to that. We don't have a relationship with one, God. Mm. And number two, we don't even have relationships with ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. We really don't. Seriously, bro. (laughs) Yeah, and then we get in relationships, quote-unquote, with other people who comes with a system also, a system of beliefs. Yeah. So that means we're Like walking limbs. Exactly. We're in a relationship 
trying to build a relationship, but then have a problem because the relationship is based on your belief. And then we get into a point, and I can remember with my my previous wife that passed, right? I remember going on a radio show and, and God just revealed to me, he said, you're not going to have a healthy relationship until you have a healthy relationship with me. When I studied in the word and I found out that, that one of the um, followers of Christ in the Bible, he would go into the house and his wife would just keep nagging him and he'll go get on the roof. That was happening way back then. And I said, wait a minute, hold up. I think this whole thing, again, it, it, it revolves around your relationship with God because we have different systems. We have different systems. Mr. Ivan, it doesn't make you wrong and it doesn't make me right to stand up here and keep arguing with you to make you wrong. Mm -hmm. It does not make me right. We both are right. We just have on two different pair of glasses and we look at our two different set of eyes. So the conflict comes in when we want to be right. And that's just it. But the word says, from what I've studied, it says in a man's eyes, his way is right. I don't see nothing in there saying in the man's way is in the man's eyes, his way right because the other guy's is wrong. I don't see that nowhere in there. Nowhere. So it involves in relationships, once again, our belief system. Are we willing to do what God did because God compromised for us and allowed Jesus to come in and be a mediator for us. Yes, he did, because if he wouldn't have done that, he'd have got mad just like he did, start crying, said, I'm going to kill all of them. They get on my daggone nerves. Mm -hmm. so in relationships, which is the hardest thing on the earth to deal with. It is the yeah. hardest thing. And you could be married, you could be dating, you could be working with somebody, you can do whatever. That's the hardest thing on the earth to deal with because we come with belief systems. And in those belief systems, you got stuff that was handed down to you that might not even have nothing to do with you, but you're operating in it. Hedonistic. <laughs> yeah that, what that makes me think of is mm -hmm. a few weeks ago my pastor said that when you look at the story of when king david was bringing the ark of the covenant back to the city and one of the guys that tried to halt the ark of the covenant from basically toppling over he mm -hmm. touched it and immediately got killed what people from the outside look at that and just say oh god was just being a jerk face that's full of wrath and anger all the time but when we study the past it was specifically supposed to be held by i think four gentlemen on their shoulders with specific you know bars to be held and so the reason that dude got killed is because none of the rules were followed about how the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be carried, which was a poetic analogy to the relationship with God. You're supposed to carry the weights of the relationship. It's not an easy thing to carry relationship with God. And when I heard that, man, 
I'm and, getting and goosebumps it, right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and hearing what you're saying, right, it makes us operate in guilt. We operate in guilt. I did this on uh, my ministry for Monday, and I was talking about several different things, and I was saying how uh, long-suffering and how we have to be mindful and pray for discernment. Because if we don't pray for discernment, then we can operate in expectations mm. based on other people's expectations, mm -hmm. which can make you actually walk around feeling bad, feeling guilty, feeling like I owe everyone everything. And it can really break the body down and tear the system up, which stress is the number one killer. I said, believe it or not, we can place our stressors on other people knowingly and unknowingly with the great intent on helping someone and be killing them at the same time, mm -hmm. out of guilt, out of guilt. And if we're going to operate in certain ways and we're going to change, he gives us discernment. He gives us discernment. Mm -hmm. When we did a 24-hour prayer, most of my prayer was centered around, Lord, forgive us. Mm -hmm. We know not what we do. We really do. We want to change things, right? We want to change things. But are you willing to go through the change, the process of that? See, it hurts to change now because yeah. we were speaking about complacency early on. And once we get used to something, to get the hedonistic, feeling good, oh, man, we want to stay right there. Yeah. It hurts to carry the weight, but yes. you transition into... I have the privilege of carrying the weight. It's, then you get into transformation with the relationship with God. And what I'm hearing you say is you have a relationship with God. So you know that you were chosen. <coughs> Excuse me. You know that you were chosen to do that. You know that because he gave you discernment and revealed that to you. I don't personalize anything. It don't feel good to death. Come on, all them deaths, that stuff don't feel good. But it's not personal because of my relationship. And he says we're nothing but alone. And he says he will come and take you. So my thing is never personal. I can't make it personal. Even the things that's going on in this world today. I was saying to others as I prayed, you know, what we're seeing, we don't need to be speaking as the world speak. Mm -hmm. I don't tell God about my problems. I tell my problems about God. Mm -hmm. Yes. If I'm telling God about my problems, I sound just like the people in the world. Mm -hmm. Just like them is no different. Well, Lord, you know, they're using them drugs and Lord, they're shooting people. He said you in a world. Mm -hmm. He said you're going to see these things, but he gave you the discernment so that you can pray for what you're looking at. That's why you see what you see. But if we're not careful, we'll see it just as the world do and respond just as the world. Mm. So, Lord, I know you already see them. Can we pray a healing prayer? <laughs> Excuse me. Can we pray a healing prayer on these young men who are out here with no leaders, with the people that they're looking at and admiring? They can't see what's behind that. They see what's in front of that. Give them discernment. Mm -hmm. Give them knowledge. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Give them the strength to endure what they're going through. 
Oh, should I come in? Lord, you need to take them guns away from them boys. You need to get them drugs out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And God That's a, like, yeah, totally different prayer. <laughs> exactly. And God be looking at me like, well, I wonder when did you get the decision to make that decision? Yeah. Because you said in John 4, I mean, you said in uh, Matthew, do not pass judgment, though you may not be judged. How can you ask to pull a splinter out of your brother's eye when you got a beam in your own? So he gave us discernment because he chose us. And, you know, one of the things um, I was saying on that line, right? You know what I mean? We we need to learn to pray and believe what we're praying. And if you're going to pray, don't worry. And if you're going to worry, don't pray. Because mm. God said he'll wipe all your tears away. God said. And I, I'm, I'm pretty transparent, um, uh, Elder. And I'm Minister Bishop, all the names you got. Um, yeah, man, and, and and when the Holy Spirit tells me something, I don't have a problem with saying what the Holy Spirit says. I really don't have a problem with it because I'm living in the real world. And pe hurt people hurt people. We are hurting. But those that were chosen, okay, the Old Testament had disciples. The New Testament had disciples leading to the development of what? Disciples. So who are these disciples that's being developed if he chose you? Interesting, isn't it? How so? Uh, expand on that, please. Okay. The Old Testament had disciples that was following Jesus. You got it? Yep. The New Testament had disciples that were following Jesus and were leading people to following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who are you if you follow in Jesus and you've been chosen? Message. Message. We are the disciples now. Mm -hmm. So we have to be mindful and careful. And yeah. don't personalize it. John 15, 18 says that you're going to go through what you're going through. But it don't have nothing to do with you. It has a lot to do with your character building based on who you believe in. Yeah. And as a disciple. In other verses, we're even a royal priesthood, too. You're a royal priesthood. Do you know who your father is? Yeah. I preached the sermon on that. Do you know who your father is? Guess what? We don't even really know who our father is most, and regardless of what your title is. We, 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 Jesus, 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 we got it. But, but do you really know who your father is? He says, cry out to me. Cry out to me, and I'll give you your heart's desires. Mm -hmm. You are a disciple, my friend. Yes. You there, are anybody watching is a disciple, too. Everybody that's on this line, anybody that's communicating with this, how they say it in the world, don't get it twisted. You are a <laughs> disciple in the Bible. Yes. Go back and look at the words in the Old Testament. Don't be fronting. Don't be fronting on me. Don't be fronting on me. You're a disciple. So the next time we have these issues and we talk about addictions or mental health or whatever, just keep in mind, you're a disciple chosen to see that so that we can be the examples to get those people out of there. And then we don't have to walk in the wilderness for 40 days and walk around in circles. What we're going through, it ain't got nothing to do with us. It got a lot to do with your relationship with God. Yeah. Amen. Amen, Amen. brother.
when you mentioned crying out just a minute ago, it made me think of a perfect way to go to our last point here of escape. And to get to that portion of escaping addiction, I think a big part of it is going back to where where you were or who you were before hurt. Mm. Mm. I remember when I was a little child, I would, as opposed to you, had joy in dancing. And I had a silly little dance like this. Okay. <laughs> okay. I I thought it was funny to bring a laughter to other people around me in mm -hmm. a silly dance sort of way. And I'm slowly bringing it back, but going back to the thoughts and the habits, even not just of adulthood, I mean, a childhood, but adulthood. I feel like when I got the most biggest hurts in my life, that's when I pulled back that celebration of that childhood, really true characteristics of who I am. Uh, of deep creativity, deep expression, uh, just limitless joy, being able to bring it out whenever I can or whenever I felt like it, as opposed to a more of a condensed, restricted uh, kind of person, more guarded person I am today, which I'm slowly trying to develop healthy boundaries around, right, too, because I don't want to just be expressing myself with everybody um, in, in certain ways. Like, I'm not going to dance for, let's say, President Joe Biden, right? <laughs> that would just be weird. But, well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry for cutting you off, man. I got I got my little baby here. When I'm at my son's place, uh -huh. he needed to go do something. So I came from my house to his house, and I'm here with the dog. Okay. She was eating something. One thing I like about it is your topic, pain to gain, based on what you were saying. Um if we didn't have the experiences that we went through or may go through, then we wouldn't have the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to carry out what God has for us. Mm. But what do we do with what we're dealing with? It's okay for us leaders and preachers and pastors, it's okay to say, hey, man, I got issues. This stuff hurts. This yeah. stuff hurts. Pain to gain. But I can't personalize it. It's not an attack on me. It's not an attack on me. That's why I cry out to God, Lord, help me. Give me the strength to endure. Give me the strength to carry on. Yeah. When these people come in front of us and they're crying and these people are reaching out, Lord, let me put a mask on and hug this person. Give me knowledge. Give me wisdom and understanding to use discernment to be able to help this person to develop the relationship with you. Yeah. Huh? Lord, teach me to be obedient to your word. Mm -hmm. Teach me to study your word. When I don't feel like it, Lord, guide me, push me. Huh? Because it's not about me. You were chosen. I was chosen. We're disciples. He didn't forgave us. He cleaned in house and he doing it for his purpose. Yeah. Everybody that's on these lines, everybody that joined us, um, Mr. Adam, once again, thank you so much because this is what God has chosen me to do.
Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, this invite today has really brought a lot of clarity, pain to gain, pain to gain. And this invite, God knew when we met that I was going to be experiencing what I'm experiencing now. And he set this up. Mm-hmm. That's why I love God. He always doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he always doing stuff for real. He set this up so that I could come here. And he says, no matter what you are feeling, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're thinking, I am in control, not you. And I need you to no matter what your schedule is like or what you're doing, I need you to be there to do what I need you to do. And he put Mr. Ivan right here. Oh, Lord, you got a funny sense of humor. Pain to gain. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah, man, crying out is healthy. And, you know, it's something that we probably shut out a lot in our childhood because it was told it was unhealthy. But if we can't communicate, God, this person seriously hurt me when I was a child. Why did you let that happen? Like, if we can't even start at that level, then we can't get to the next level of, actually, that person was just dealing with the brokenness that they had to deal with, and it came out in horrible ways. Actually, had nothing to do with you. Nothing personal. Absolutely. But if you can't have that first crying out, you can't even get to seeing that. But we're not supposed to cry. Men don't cry. Mm -hmm. Be a man. See the belief system? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of women have to deal with that, too. Of course they do. Restricting emotions and unhealthy environments. So another solution to escape I would throw out there is going to specific events like solely business is one that I felt like I heard from God the most S O U L Y and business. Um, you could just Google that. And that is a way to disconnect it. I think that just costs like $200 just for a, a full weekend of stay food and, and conference with a fellow brethren. Uh, so being able to disconnect, you know, putting your phone away, in a beautiful natural environment, which I feel you could really hear from God easily because you could see his beauty and his arrangements, even in the way the animals move and the way insects move and the way just trees move, you could easily see who he is in reality. Uh, so that's a solution I would recommend. Of course, the uh, group um, solutions also, like the different anonymous programs, there's for every different type of addiction, there's an anonymous program. So mm-hmm. I encourage that. Uh, Minister Michael, is there any solutions that you want to recommend before we wrap up? Well, one, one, um, I want to say this old business. I'm going to research this. Uh, I'm going to research this. And again, I like to say thank you again, Ivan, for inviting me here. But God sent me here for you to give me a message because in this process, um, and understanding knowledge, wisdom, and all that stuff about what we're discussing, right? We also need to get some help. And I'm going to research this because I'm doing a lot. And I believe I'm doing it for the Lord, and I know I'm doing it for the Lord. But I think Jesus went to the mountain to get some rest. 
So it's it, and I'm getting ready to shift a few things to um, calm down and take a break because if not, stress again is the number one cause of everything we're experiencing in our pain to gain and it's stress. And if we don't take time out to make ourselves healthy and separate from everything, then we can do more damage than we can do good. So thank you one for soul business. I'm gonna research this as soon as we finish and I'm gonna try to arrange some things for me to get there. For me, Amen, brother. We all need that rest. Yes, man. In regards to addictions, man, just be careful with your language. Be careful with your language. Instead of saying addictions, I would probably say some things that God needs to remove from me that's not, um, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. But I would encourage people to beat themselves over them words. They got to be careful. Got to be careful because you can't eat just one Lay's potato chip. Mm. You see, and if you eat a bag, the chances of it is you want another bag, and it goes on and on and on. So we got to do things in moderacy, um, and don't get too, as you stated, too complacent in what we're doing. I want to thank you for this opportunity. It has really gave me a lot more strength to carry on. Yeah, and for really you, brother, is. thank you. You shared a whole lot of golden gems with us today, so. I can't wait to share this. I'm sure it's going to help uh, millions of people eventually as this channel keeps growing. Man, I thank I thank your I thank your your ministry, man. I always I mean I really appreciate. And I was talking about you so much when I got out of there. I just keep talking about. I'm saying. I mean. Oh, thank you, brother. I, man, you know, thank God for you. One day I'm going to get to Israel. I'm going to get there. I heard that. You know, and I admire the God in you, man, and I admire what God is doing with you in your ministry. Anything I could do, all you got to do is let me know what to do, and I'm going to do it. Same I'm here, brother. And many people are being blessed with your ministry and what you're doing. And it may look like one or two, but it's actually twenty or 30,000 for every one or two that joins. Mm -hmm. Every one or two. So it may look, that's what we see. But what's behind it? Wow. Yeah. So I pray to God, man, he continues using you. Keep your strength, man. Keep your faith. Um, and your brother again, man, I think about him all the time. Tell him I keep laughing at him, man. Why don't he stop playing? Tell him I said that, man. You talking about Fred? Or... Yeah, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, tell him, man, you don't stop there playing stuff and come on. Hey, going <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, you know, because I pray and I do those things. But this is Fred's a good brother. I really appreciate it, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. Now, Fred, I think it was your brother you mentioned uh, when we did the Fred's set. Uh, oh, set. okay. Yeah, man. You know, um, we do the best we can, man. But once again, I thank you so much. Man. Appreciate hey, it. Sounds good. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you. And God thanks bless for watching, you. everybody. Appreciate everyone. Thank you all.